Okay, I need you all to, uh, I need you to stay awake now, all right? And uh, I need you to stay with me. And let me tell you why I need you to stay with me today, because I don't have an ending to my sermon, all right? I'm just going to confess it right now. I don't have an ending. I realized that in the last service, that it, the ending's a flop. So I need you to apply the ending to your own life. So that means you got to stay with me. Are you with me? If you need coffee, you can get up and go get coffee. If you need to walk around, if you need to run around, don't do that in here. Go outside. That would be way too distracting, all right? But today, we're going to continue what we started talking about last week. Last week, we talked about, I hate doing this on Mother's Day. We're talking about demon possession. No connection, zero connection, except in my home, all right? No, I'm joking. So last week, we talked about that we live in a world that has evil in it. In fact, we talked last week about that you have evil in you and how you deal with the evil in you will determine how you deal with the evil in the world. So we talked about that. This week, what I want to talk about is in this war, if you choose to engage in this spiritual world of good and evil, do we have weapons? Do we have tools by which God is giving us to engage in this world? Now, if you're a first-timer here, hang with us, all right? Or if maybe you're a first-timer to church... Uh, there's something that's true that we all know that's true regardless of whether or not we grew up in any kind of religion is this right here is critical. In fact, we're going to talk about this, a spoiler alert, this is the power. And, and we all have this idea that <clears throat> we want this fantastic life. And when I say fantastic life, you, you define what that is. Like, but we all have a sense, if you're here, you probably have some sense that that life has spirituality to it. It has something that involves a power outside of ourselves that's greater than ourselves. It gives life meaning. It gives our work purpose, that there's a divine substance that's guiding us. And we know, no matter how little we've been around, if this is, oh, he's happy to be in church that if we want that life, this has a role to play in it. Are you with me? Hey, that was my mother-in-law. Thank you, <laughs> Connie. Uh, just glad we get to laugh with you, sister. All right, happy Mother's Day. <clears throat> Here's the crazy thing about this right here. I got to tell you, I personally have a lot of shame when it comes to prayer. I, I have a lot of shame because... Man, you go to church, you go, you should pray more. And who's going to argue with that? Like, oh, yeah, I should pray more. Or you should pray better. Yeah, I probably should pray better. Or you should be a better person that prays more. Yeah, that's, these shoulds are killers. And my prayer life for years had shame over it. And that shame of not doing it enough, not doing it right, not be powerful enough in it. You hear other stories of saints like in Africa that were changing whole continents with prayer and I can't even get out of bed early. All this shame that's around it distracted me from the reason why I don't pray. That's what we're going to talk about today. There are two reasons. And the story we're about to read, one is... I'm just too dang strong. And the second is, I'm just too dang weak. So let's read the story, shall we? Courtney, come on up. Courtney's reading for us again because she read last week and we only bring her in on all the demon stories. So <laughs> Courtney, thank you for being a specialist. We appreciate it. Uh, 
This is Mark chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, we have tons of Bibles around here. They're all free. Take one. Uh, make it your own. They're in the window seal. If you need one, Chad's right there. Somebody raise your hand and make Chad move. You need a Bible? Need a Bible? Okay, all right. Nobody. They're all super spiritual. That's right. Courtney, please read for us and rescue us from. Okay. Jesus heals a boy possessed by an impure spirit. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they cannot, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the imp impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that uh, right now you would send your Holy Spirit to uh, fulfill the promise that your word has gone out now. And Lord, you would give us grace now to experience you giving us revelation about our lives, giving us revelation about you, Lord, and may the two meet uh, and in this place of justice and mercy kiss and heal our hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So uh, what a crazy story. Uh, this begins with Jesus and James, Peter, and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration. If you've never read that story, that'll blow your mind. That's where these guys went to go meet Elijah and Moses. And they got all excited. They were at a, the spiritual mountaintop of life. It's kind of like when you went to Young Life Camp or something like that, you know. And, and immediately, yeah, there you go. Let's hear it, Young Life. And they're at the mountaintop experience. This, this is the standard. Like, this is the very top of anything they've ever experienced spiritually in their entire lives. And they're coming down literally from the mountain down into the valley, and they encounter demons. And uh, we won't preach, I won't preach on that, but that's very common when you experience profound things spiritually. The next thing you experience is unbelievable spiritual forces that are working against what you just experienced. 
And so they come down and all the disciples, the other, that, the nine that didn't go up on the mount, they're debating with the Pharisees and with the teachers of the law, the scribes. Uh, and we don't know what they're debating about because when Jesus inquired, some man out of the crowd comes up and says, let me tell you what's going on. I brought my kid to the disciples because he's possessed by a demon and they couldn't drive the demon out. And him and Jesus have this exchange. And finally, he says, do you believe? And the guy goes, I believe. Help my? That's all you churchgoers. You've heard that a thousand times, all right? Everybody else in the room is going, how did they know that? Like, they just heard. So he does this remarkable prayer of belief and doubt, which we'll talk about in a second. Jesus heals the boy, and at the very end, the disciples are going, hey, what's up? Why couldn't we drive out that demon? And he goes, this kind can come out only by prayer. So first of all, there's a spiritual world. That spiritual world has good and evil. These two things are at war with one another. And if you get nothing else today, know this. Uh, Jesus is all-powerful in that world and knows it. The demons are not all-powerful in their world, and they know he is that. The problem is we don't know it. And so we're going to step into this because he's talking about prayer. In James chapter 5, verse 6, it says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In John chapter 15, Jesus even says this about prayer. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Let me say that again. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Is that possible? Is it crazy that every time I pray, God in heaven moves to answer that prayer for my good? The answer to that is yes. Prayers are powerful. And as Jesus walks up on this crowd, the first thing we see is the reason we don't pray is because we are too strong. Because these disciples, what was wrong with them? Like, why were they not praying? Like, if I saw a demon, I would be praying immediately. Well, let's go back to Mark chapter 3. In verse 15, we get a little bit of history of how the disciples could be so arrogant as to face a demon without prayer. In verse 15 or 14, it says, He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. That Jesus was sending them out on their first high school mission trip, you know? And that is, you're going to go out and preach. And look what he said. And you will have authority to drive out demons. Whoa. Wait a minute. And then when we go to chapter 6, it said that Jesus went around teaching from village to village and he called the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. In other words, these disciples were being sent out into the villages and the community and out in the country, and they'd been given authority to drive out spirits, and they were starting to get quite a reputation as exorcists. The people would bring their demon-possessed friends, neighbors, family members, you know, and they were able to drive out demons. They were so successful at it. In Luke chapter 10, listen to this little dialogue that they had with Jesus when they came back from their mission field. It wasn't just the 12. It actually says there were 72 of them. And when they returned with joy, they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. We have some unbelievable stories. You wouldn't believe we'd walk into a village and the demons would submit to us. And Jesus said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to correct that us part, all right? And let me, let me try to correct that. He says, I don't want you to rejoice in that. 
In fact, it says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's a clue there that's going to take us to a better understanding. So these disciples were experienced exorcists. Man, they were used to going into towns and demons running away from them. Come out of you, evil demon. You know, all that stuff was happening. People were being healed. It was remarkable. And so when this man came up, why would they pray? Why would they pray? Why should we pray? I mean, I got it. I get these guys. Come on. Like, really? I'm not sure that I really need anything to pray about it. I mean, I'm, of course, like when you go to the hospital, you know, just get the prayer chain, you know, got to get the links in the chain, you know, and so we're praying for everybody in the hospital or you teach your kids to pray. That's always a really sweet way to convince them it's time to go to sleep or, you know, before dinner, that's a great way to get everybody to be quiet. Like I want you to, if you ever get a chance to lead something up front in a church and everybody's talking, all you got to do is say, let's pray. And immediately everybody gets silent. True. True. All right. I was going to experiment with that, but I won't. But praying, really? I, there is nothing in my life, and I'm talking about me right now, that's designed to keep me in a place where I'm not strong enough. In fact, I want to keep moving to strong and stronger and strong enough. So this week, well, actually three weeks ago, my garage door quit working. Actually, the motor that operates my garage door quit working. It was humming, but it wasn't moving the door. And I was thinking, who can I call to fix that? And then I realized, I got YouTube. Hey, come on. So I, went, I Googled how to fix a garage door and found some guy who was brilliant. And he says, well, you want to open it up and you want to see if the gears are broken. And I opened up, but the gears were broke. And I went back and he says, here's where you need to order the parts. And this is how you replace them. Guess what? My garage door opener works now. Has nothing to do with the sermon, just Renee didn't appreciate it, so thank you very much. I needed it. It didn't, Renee didn't hesitate. I go, I'll fix the garage door, and she goes, oh, was it right? Like, no <laughs> praise whatsoever. I know, but listen, this is crazy. I loved being self-sufficient. I loved accomplishing something. I love not calling you to come fix my garage door. And, and it speaks to something that's deeper in me. And what's so deep in me is that I, I love being enough. I love being enough so much. So, I mean, hang on, I just skipped a part of my notes that I think are really important that we need to cover. I love that my hard work is enough. I love that I'm smart enough. I love being clever enough. See, I get scared of opening my eyes to a world that's too big for me to be enough in. In fact, the reason I often don't pray is because I've shrunk my world down to a garage door opener. Like that is the biggest challenge that I'm going to face this week. I don't need Jesus for that. Don't tell me about human trafficking. I don't want to talk about that because that's bigger than what I have a capacity to deal with. Don't tell me about what's going on in Napier because it's too big. I, 
I, that's bigger than me. This week, Jonathan Nash, who's our pastor in Napier, we had a, a pastor's dinner Thursday night, and we do this about once a month, and we get together and, and just tell stories and encourage one another. And he got there late, and he goes, sorry, guys, we had youth group tonight, and as we were coming out of the community center in Napier, uh, there were about 60 people in a fight right outside the front door of the community center. I had to keep all the youth in until it got cleared away and the cops came. Sorry. And we were like, whoa, wait a minute. What, did you just say that there was a brawl of 60 people in the front lawn of the community center? And he said, yeah, man, it was crazy. It was like a mayhem. Did, did y'all know about this? Of course we don't. That's the spiritual world that he's in. I, I don't want, there's a part of me that doesn't want to be a part of that. I don't want to know about that. I don't want to need a strength that's greater than me. I don't. I mean, come on. I don't want to see my world as something more than just getting the kids out the door and get them to school because they got to get to school. I don't want to see the world big enough to where my job is actually a spiritual calling and where I am right now is exactly where God wants me to be because there's a divine purpose for me being there. I don't want to see my life move from spectacular to significant. I like being distracted by the spectacular. I, I, don't, I like the parts of my life that I've arranged to where I'm being served and life works for me and I like that. I don't want the radical transformation to where the Lord is saying, now I'm asking you to follow me and become a servant and let that be the mark of your life. Ho! One of the reasons that I don't pray is because I'm so prideful and I'm so self-sufficient and I've arranged a life to where I don't need to be a person of prayer. Okay, but it's not just too strong. It's also too weak. Let's go back to the story have you ever uh, approached prayer and just thought that you're not good enough to pray? Like, have you ever had a time in your life where praying was really difficult because you didn't think that God really wanted to hear from you? Like, let me ask you a really honest question. Like, you know that sin that you're really ashamed of, like when you lose it or when you dive into your addiction or whatever it is that your sin, if you don't know if you have sin, that's another conversation, but you know that sin? How much of a distance is there between the time you commit that sin to the time you pray? Like, is there a time where you feel so ashamed of what you've done that coming to God just doesn't seem like something that you should do or can do? Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt like, I just don't qualify? Well, this father, he comes to the disciples with his son. And let's think about it for a minute. I mean... His son has been possessed by a demon for years. And you can imagine the conversation the night before where he's telling his wife, I'm going to take our son to go see these men that follow this guy named Jesus. And he's, they've exercised demons all over the whole region. And she's like, are you serious? Are you really going to do this? We've got to get up early and we've got to go a long ways. And what are you going to do if he has seizures on the way? I don't, I don't know. What are you going to do if the demons... Do something horrible to him. I don't, I don't know. Like, what are you going to do if you get there and they can't do anything and you've got to bring them all the way back? I don't know. But you can imagine that this father, this father is saying, I've got to do something. Listen to verse 22. 
This is the father speaking. It's often thrown him into fires or water to kill him. So this demon possession is trying to kill this boy. Why has the demons not succeeded? Any guess? When the demons threw the boy into the water, who was there to save him? When the demons threw the boy into the fire, who was there to save him? You want to guess? Father. Why do you think he says this? But if you can do anything, take pity on us. Help us. He is living a life of hell where he's living on the edge every day. Every day he's on the guard for his son's life. Every day he's, he's got a beer to help him. Every day he's tired. Every day he's discouraged. Every day he's tried everything and nothing works. I don't even want to talk about because I can't even imagine. Can you imagine having a child that has an evil entity in them and you have no power to help them? Can you imagine the horror of that? Watching something evil take over your child? It's really like a horror movie. And nothing worked. Do you know what suffering does to us? Have you ever, like, have you ever suffered so long that, or had a hurt that lasted so long or had a struggle that doesn't ever seem to let up and in the midst of that, that pain starts to make you question, does God really care? Is God really near? Is there any chance that God even knows about me? Have you ever had that sin that never goes away? Have you ever had those relationship issues that seem to be like on a merry-go-round? And it feels like they're going somewhere, but all they're really doing is going round and round and round? Or maybe this morning, this is a horrible day for you because it's Mother's Day and you've been trying for years to get pregnant and you can't and you're living with the sorrow of that. Or maybe you're here and you're single and you're like, you know, I've wanted to be married and I've not found the person. Or maybe you're married here this morning and you want to be single. <clears throat> Honestly. And you're suffering. And you try it all. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? is that in your midst of your pain, you're like, I'll do anything. And so people tell you, man, you really ought to go to this church on the other side of town. I can't tell you how dynamic, dynamic that preacher is. He's so good, man. I'm Life-changing, life-changing. And you go, and you go, eh, doesn't work. Then they tell you, no, 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 no. What you need to do is go to this conference. This conference, if you go to this conference, this conference is life-changing. It's like lightning bolts, man. It's earth shatterers. You go to the conference, doesn't work. Or I love this one. Uh, there's this counselor. There's this new counselor in town. <clears throat> and I don't know, but I think, you know, man, he may be the thing. Or she is amazing. We went, changed our life. And you go, nah, doesn't work. But this is maybe the best one. Have you read this book? <laughs> oh, I can't tell you. This book changed my life. And you buy it and it sits on your counter and every day you walk past it going, there's my life change. And you can't even get the energy to open it up and read it. Or you read the first page, you're like, ah, eh, it doesn't work. You know what that creates? Lots of feeling like weakness. Why would Jesus want to listen to me? Why would my prayers be powerful? Why even bother? Well, Jesus says to this man, 
you said, if I can, everything's possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help, my, help me overcome my unbelief. Man, it's just staggering because the father is saying, you just put me on the spot. You're saying, if I believe, and I gotta be honest with you, honest, I want more than anything for my son to be okay. But if him being okay is hinged on my belief, I'm gonna be honest with you. There's a lot of me that doesn't believe. I believe, but I don't believe. And here's the power of this. This is so beautiful, is that when we embrace that, when we embrace it, we're embracing our humanity. Like, for example, if you're married here this morning, do you love your spouse? Praise God. Are there times you can't stand them? No. Yeah. <laughs> you have kids. You love your kids? Oh, man, take a bullet for them any day of the week. Are there times when you want to use that bullet in another way? Isn't it true? You love your job? Sometimes. You hate your job? Sometimes. Isn't that life? Isn't that life? And here comes the power of prayer. Because I just want you to hear that. The power of prayer is not how well you fall on the good lines of those issues. I always love my wife. Always love my wife. I never feel any contempt for her whatsoever. Okay, or I love my kids, I always love my kids. I don't have any resentment toward them whatsoever, no matter what they give me for Mother's Day. You know, or my job, it's a gift from God. Thank you, Lord, that you gave me money. I always love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. If I stay over here, that gives me power and prayer. No, listen to this. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. I won't read the whole verse, but it says, because you're in Christ, when Christ died on the cross and then he rose again from the dead, he took our sins away from us and then he gave us access. Access to what? New life in Christ. He gave us access to the spiritual life. And it says in Ephesians 2.18, because of what he's done for you, you have access in one spirit to the Father. You have access. You have access to the Father. In Ephesians 3, it says, we have boldness and we have confidence in that access. We don't just have access. We also have been given boldness to be shameless in our approach to the Father. In Hebrews, it says that we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did for me, I have confidence. I have boldness to enter into access of the Father. What does that mean? It means that when we go running into that place where we belong, we belong there, that the power of prayer is not how good of a prayer you are. The power of prayer is not how arrogant you are or how weak you are. The power of prayer is in one place. It's in Jesus. See, the power of my prayer is not my prayer. The power of prayer is who I'm praying to. And the one that I'm praying to promises that he's strong enough. He's strong enough. See, there's only one prayer in this whole passage. And I'm about to come to the non-climactic close, all right? So you're about to see. We're about to skid into really nothing, all right? <laughs> there's, one, there's only one guy praying in this whole passage. It wasn't the disciples. Those are the super holy, right? He was the father. 
He says, help my unbelief. A doubt-filled prayer moved heaven to drive this demon out of his son and give life back to his family. A doubt-filled prayer. What if unbelief doesn't scare God? And what if unbelief is actually the magic carpet ride that takes me into prayer that leads me to life? But oftentimes, my weakness will shame it, and it'll keep me from there. What if, what if my unbelief is actually me stepping into my limits so I can experience his limitlessness? What if unbelief is me stepping into my lack to step into his abundance? What if stepping into our doubts, our fears, our struggles, our sin, our grief, what about stepping into honesty actually brings me into the presence of love? Can you imagine that sin that we talked about earlier that you don't want anybody to know about, that gross sin, maybe the hatred you have for your neighbor, I don't know, whatever it may be, that the moment it happens is the moment you run to prayer and you run to Jesus, when it's all over you, when it's just covering you, and you're running to him because you have a father who has given you access into the holy of holies to bring yourself into him, and he goes, bring it, because there is where we're going to experience love. That's where we're going to experience life. So here's my question to you. Again, it's all on you now. Why don't you pray? Are you too strong or too weak? If you're too strong, we're about to do some worship, and I, can sit, I would urge you to repent and tell the Lord that you have shrunk your life down to where you think you can manage it. And repent, because he's got a big life he wants you to lead. And your arrogance won't take you there. Your pride will rob you of that. So you may be too strong or you may be too weak. This morning you're so covered in shame that you believe prayer is for pastors and for Mother Teresa and for super saints. And you need to put down your shame and trust his love and bring all that into his presence. So I'm going to pray and then here's what we're going to do. We're, we're leading you with worship. And this worship is the time for you to be with Jesus. Experience him. Let the Holy Spirit come and teach you and guide you and minister to you. Um, so don't just throw this away as, oh, we're doing a couple of songs and then we'll do announcements. But really pause and let this moment just grab you and let the Lord be with you. Let's pray. Father, I know that we use prayer to do transitions and to kill time while the band's coming in. I know. And we do that a lot of places in our lives. And I pray that that wouldn't minimize what I'm about to ask. Um, Lord, I pray that this day would not leave until we have experienced you. Forgive us for our arrogance, for our pride in shrinking our life down to think that there is no spiritual world, only what you see. And I got this one covered. I pray, Lord, you are calling saints in this room on, on unbelievable adventures of spiritual dimensions. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us put down our pride to step into not our power, but your power. And there are some in this room, Father, that life has just beat them up. Discouragement and long-suffering has just wore them down. That their unbelief has turned them into weak prayers because... They're not even sure if they believe in this anymore. I pray for those friends of mine in that place that, Lord, you would give them courage right now 
to use the little bit of faith they might have, just the mustard seed of faith right now, to come to you. To come to you in that messy, unfinished, hungry place that is known only drought and pray that, Lord, you'd bring rain. Bring rain onto our dry hearts and let us sing your praise again. And I pray, Father, this is a prayer I prayed, we would all pray, Lord, let this time, this morning, this place, this church be a place that you would use to call us to life and life to the full. In Christ's name we pray, amen.